What's up, everybody? My name is Bernie Morgan. I am the host of the Entrepreneurism Podcast. I'm here with Craig Valentine. He helps entrepreneurs increase sales, become great leaders, and work less. Craig, how's it going, man? Hey, I am doing awesome. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. So, before we dive into what you exactly do, I always ask my guests this first question, and I didn't prep you for it, so good luck. Okay. What's the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on? Dumbest thing I have ever spent money on? Uh, man, you know, I spent way too much money on these adventure trips. I really wish I had that money back, but you know, I've done all sorts of crazy things in Vegas. Like, you know, I don't mean, don't mean those crazy things. I mean, like flying uh, pro, uh, fighter jets and all this stuff. And it's like, at the end of the day, it was cool, but not worth the money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. <clears throat> I, uh, I've spoken to a few people who you might know, John a lot and uh, Sam Bakhtiar and they said bottle service. So yeah, that's pretty stupid too. Yeah. But yeah, I never, I, I fortunately didn't spend a lot of money on it. Right. That's good. That's good. But well, I've, been Sam, I've been with Sam. I've been with Sam during bottle service. At <laughs> yeah. One or two points in my life. But let's dive into what you exactly do. As I was saying before, I just finished your book today, The Perfect Week Formula. And it seems like you have a big focus on essentially helping business owners, entrepreneurs, whatever you may be, uh, enhance their life, their productivity, their yeah. mental, physical, spiritual state. Um, the quote I read about you before, you help entrepreneurs increase sales, become great leaders and work less. That was straight from your Instagram. I do that mm -hmm. on purpose. Mm -hmm. I'd love for you to dive into how you exactly got started in this niche. Yeah, you know, I, well, I got started online a long, long time ago, maybe before you were born, but I was selling <laughs> fitness programs. And for, you know, I did that for like a decade and I didn't always want to do it. I really enjoyed helping other people sell their fitness programs. So I started coaching people in that aspect, helping entrepreneurs sell stuff online in 2007, had my first event. And over the years, I did it part time and just worked up and worked up. And then I wrote my first book, The Perfect Day Formula in 2015, because people are saying, oh, you know, Craig, you get so much done. How do you do that? So I put together a little manual on that. And then I and then that was around the time I pretty much shut the fitness business down and switched over to working with entrepreneurs. You know, I've been an entrepreneur close to you, a couple of clients close to you. This guy, Seth, who's a Grammy winning uh, award songwriter, but also has a publishing company. I uh, have a client down in Jackson, Tennessee, who runs a massive nine figure bathtub manufacturing company. And I have clients all over America, all over Europe, all over Australia in multiple industries. And I just help them get more done personally, get more done professionally in terms of leading their teams better. I introduce them to people who can be copywriters for them, marketers for them, because I have a vast network. And then I also just keep them accountable. I help them with their business strategy. I help them with their sales. I help them see what they don't see, where they're making mistakes, where they're spending too much money and wasting it on things. And that's what I do today. And I just love it because I get to problem solve with smart people on difficult things. And when we break through on something, it's a really rewarding feeling. So that's how right. I got here. So did you struggle with getting things done when you worked in the fitness business? I've always been pretty good and productive, but I was working a lot. And so what I really struggled with was when I did start working a lot, I had severe anxiety attacks uh, when I was around 30 years old. And I was doing, I was making a lot of mistakes. And so I was getting a lot of stuff done, but I was doing it the wrong way. You know, waking up late, checking email first, 
and then therefore working late into the night and then, you know, going blowing off steam after that and then getting up early to try and do it all over again the wrong way. And you do that enough at that age, it all catches up to you. So that was the thing that I had to fix. And I remember one day when I was about 30 years old, when all this was really bad, I was like, no, this is going to stop today. So the next day, what I did is I got up five minutes earlier and I waited five minutes longer to check my email. So I had a, a gap of 10 minutes to think about my business. And then I didn't do it the next day. I didn't jump up another five minutes the next day. I didn't join the 5 a.m. club the next day. No, I just went, you know, I went from 7.30 to 7.25. The, ne- the week after that, I went to 7.20. Then I went to 7.15 the week after that. And I slowly worked it up. It took me like six months to get to like 5.30 in the morning. And I stayed there for a long time, getting up at that time of day, working on my business before checking email for three or four hours at a time. And then that's when things started to take off for me. Right. Do you think a lot of entrepreneurs nowadays, when they try to become more productive, they do too much? So they put Well, well yeah. I mean, they're always doing too much. One of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make is that we suffer in silence. We believe that nobody can do it as well as we can. We take everything and put it on our back. We're like, oh, you know what? Don't worry. I'll do it myself. Um, we, if somebody is underperforming, we could either coach them up or replace them. But instead, we just say, we'll do it ourselves. Right. So those, those are the common mistakes that people make where they end up finding themselves. I'm doing way too much. Yeah, you're doing way too much because you won't let anybody else do it and you won't help anybody else do it. Right. But then, so they get to that point, right? And then you're saying, no, you can actually work less and be more productive. With the different strategies you introduce, do you think it's possible to try to introduce too many strategies at once? Or do you suggest just one at a time until you get good at it? Well, yeah, because these things take time to become good at. And so if, you know, if you're now you're all, you're spending all your time, first of all, you're already too busy and now you're spending a ton of time trying to be less busy and you become more busy and you become very frustrated. So what we do is we, we look at, well, what's the biggest obstacle in the way? What's the biggest problem that you have? That's the thing that we're going to work on first because it's the biggest problem. And so that might mean, finding somebody else to do it, it might just simply mean stopping doing it. Like some people right. just need to stop doing things because if they stop doing things, their business wouldn't suffer. And in fact, they just have more time to do other things. So that, it sounds so simple, but it, it often is. Just stop doing it. Stop right. doing it. Stop doing, you know, like some, I, I do a lot of Instagram and it works for me. But I have a lot of people who don't know how to use Instagram, whose audiences really aren't on Instagram, and they're like, I'm spending three hours a week on Instagram. But just stop doing it. <laughs> you don't have to do it. You don't have to use every social media. Right. It'd be great if you were generating sales and leads from every social media. But some of them just won't work for you. And right. it's okay to just stop doing things. And, you know, that's interesting because Gary Vee has a contrasting approach where he wants you to be on everything. You know, TikTok, Twitter, Snapchat. Well, be on everything if it works. But don't be on exactly. everything if it doesn't work. Exactly. But I agree with your style where it's like, I try the whole TikTok thing. I just, I, I didn't get it. I don't care. So sure. I'm not going to waste time on it. Right. And I actually mm-hmm. had to delete the app because I find, I found myself oh, it is very through it for yeah. two hours a day and getting yeah. nothing done. Right. Well, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing is that every single day when you turn on your phone, you are fighting against an army of PhDs from MIT whose entire existence, work existence is to make you addicted to an app or to something on your phone. 
Right. And if you think if you think that you're going to win that through willpower, you, you forget about it. It's like having a bag of chips and a bag of M and M's on every single workstation desk and every table and kitchen counter in your house. Like you're not going to win that battle because right. your discipline is going to be exhausted. So you have to change the rules by not having it as you did. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Have you ever come in contact with a client, right? Someone comes to you and say, I need help. And you just thought to yourself, wow, this is going to be tough. Like they just did way too much. They were stubborn maybe. Um, and you just didn't know the right approach. Um, I would say that we come, we get contracted by a lot of people who are in some deep doo-doo. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, you're not going to fix it with one change you're going to have to do a lot of work and we have to hold those people extra accountable but we put those systems in place and you know it's remarkable how people can really turn things around now some people who don't have that much of a problem you think they would have amazing results and for some reason they have a mental block or the e-break on so it it's not necessarily about where somebody comes to me it's about the with the commitment and the mindset and the tools that they come with that we can apply to the problem. And like, you know, you can, you can stop, you can put a forest fire out with the right tools just because the fire is massive. Doesn't mean that it'll never be able to overcome it. Whereas you can have a house fire that can go burning and burn the entire house down. If nobody does anything about it, even though it's just, you know, a small kitchen fire. So, you know, that analogy just because your house is on fire doesn't mean you can't put it out and get it back and, and build it up to something beautiful. Yeah. I think that's good too, because I, I feel as if probably a lot of entrepreneurs are, are so overwhelmed. They feel like it can't be fixed, right? Mm-hmm. They're so busy. They got so much going on. Like you said before, you know, I think entrepreneurs want to do everything in the beginning. They want to feel busy because busyness equals production, but it doesn't. Right. But uh, I like the approach you come from saying like, it doesn't matter how busy you are. You can fix that. You can turn that around and you can probably be just as productive. You can, and everything is a solvable problem. And if you like, you, it wouldn't be hard for, you know, whether you want to take a sports analogy, whether you want to just choose businesses that have turned it around. But I mean, even there's, there's a great book called turn the ship around by a guy. I don't know. I'm not, I'm from Canada. So I don't know the whole, uh, <laughs> the whole correct thing, but I think he was a general and it is about how we turned around the, the worst submarine in the United States force of sub- submarines. So, you know, there's books on that. There's books on, you know, you can talk about Jimmy Johnson and how they turned around the Dallas Cowboys, you know, from like right. they were one in 15, the next, you know, then they went to like three and 13, then nine and seven, and then, you know, string of Super Bowl championships. Or you could take a look at any sports team. You could take a look at Apple. You could take a look at Elon Musk, who was on the verge of bankruptcy in 2008 on Christmas Eve. You know, he'd sold everything. And he turned it around. You know, nobody sees that. They only see right. what's going on today. But there's, there's turnaround stories and everything that are far bigger than what you're trying to turn around right now when whoever's listening to this. So just look for inspiration in that stuff. Yeah. I, I posted or I didn't post. I, I scheduled a post for Instagram early this week um, about failure, right? And I think so many people don't invite failure into their lives because they think that if they invite failure, then that's it, Right. But I'm reminded of Jeff Bezos and, you know, people have mixed opinions of him, whatever. I look up to him because he's done an enormous job with Amazon, but he talks about how he's made billions of dollars of mistakes with like pets.com and other, you know, things he's done over the years. 
And the thing about it is if you, if you, you know, see failure as just your stopping point, you're not going to get to where you could actually be. Right. And I think success is often on the other side of failure. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't want to have too many failures. Um, they can be catastrophic, but there's no one walking on this earth who hasn't you know, made mistakes and had things that can be labeled as failures and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, you just need to learn from it and okay. All right. I made that mistake. Don't make the same mistake though. Right. Okay? Yep. The, the, the biggest failure is in making the same mistake multiple yep. times or not improving yourself. Like, you know, I was an introvert for a long time and I was a binge drinker on the weekends and, you know, I made that mistake over and over and over again. It led to some, some of the anxiety issues, but you know, I don't make that mistake now <laughs> and I live a good life of, uh, because of it. And a lot of people are, you know, gravitate towards me because they're like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making money, um, doing okay in family, but everything could be a whole lot better if I could just get over this binge drinking or if I could right. just get up on time or if I could just stop, you know, having an angry temper or whatever it is. And so they see all the things that I've overcome. And, you know, again, like we didn't just go, well, man, I really like binge drinking and, and I just don't, you know, my friends aren't stopping it. So I'm just, you know, I'm just going to keep on doing it, even though I know it's the worst thing for me. No, that's, that's a real failure. That's a real failure. Now, right. if, if you go out and, you know, once a year, you know, you, you stop drinking for six months and then you go out at a golf tournament or bachelor party or something and you get drunk and you have a hangover the next day, it's a mistake. And, you know, if you, but, you know, fortunately, fortunately it'd be a painful enough mistake, like to go, to go years without a hangover and then have one, you're like, Oh man, I, <laughs> not, uh, not doing that again. Like I haven't had one. I think 2013 is the last time I've had a headache in the morning for, from drinking. But you know, you like, even on two or three, you're like, oh, I'm not doing that again. You know, yeah. it's just, it's just, yeah. I'm, I don't want to feel like this. And so you need to be wise enough to see, what, you know, when you get a, a negative reaction from doing something, whether it's eating a certain food, whether it's watching too much TV, whether it's staying up too late or getting in an argument with your brother-in-law over fantasy football, you need to go, whoa, wait a minute, I'm feeling really bad and it's because of this and I'm not going to do that anymore. And right. then you have to go and make the changes that stop you from doing it. So you haven't drank since 2013 at all? No, I, 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 I drink, but I don't drink more than one drink. That's per good. sitting and, uh, you know, per day. And right. I don't drink weekly uh, even. But actually, you know, I had a drink on, let's see, we're doing this on Tuesday. I had a drink with dinner on Friday. No, not Friday night, Thursday night and Saturday night. But one drink, you know, right. one drink. Yeah. And, and what I found, and again, and this is from a guy who used to drink 12 beers and starting at four in the afternoon on Saturday until about four in the morning on Sunday. And, you know, you just get to a point where it's like, oh, well, all the – you know, taking the edge off or whatever benefits you get from alcohol is really like it's, it comes from a low volume of alcohol and any more only makes things worse. So it's not easy to go from like regularly drinking a six pack with your buddies to drinking one, but you'll end up, you know, you'll have, you know, 80% less alcohol and you'll still have about 80% of the benefits. Right. That's a pretty good trade, right? Yeah. That's a fair trade. Like I'm not telling anybody not drink again. But I am saying drink less. Yeah, because <laughs> you've experienced it. But, you know, and I'm 24, so I'm pretty young. But from what I've seen, especially on social media. Not, not to a 17-year-old. To a 17-year-old, you're an old man. Oh, yeah, there you go. Just correct me. <laughs> it's all perspective. Right. But so, 
Do you believe anxiety could be a product of owning a business? I, I would say that it's a product of many things. You know, there's, a, there's 40 million people in America that have anxiety, and certainly the majority of them do not own a business. Okay. So is it, you know, there's genetic factors, there's environmental factors, there's, you know, the way you were raised, there's, there's incidences in your life, uh, there's the amount of personal work that someone's willing to do, there's the nutrition, you know, if you're drinking a monster every day, and you're predisposed to anxiety, like, you're gonna, you're gonna have some real bad days. Like, you gotta right. stop drinking 200, 200 milligrams of caffeine every day, because that's not good for you. And, but a lot of people don't know this, and, you know, one, one thing that I didn't know, and, and I had a master's degree in exercise physiology, I was in the best shape of my life, my business was doing better than ever, and that's when I had my anxiety attacks. And, you know, there was part of it that, I didn't tell anybody about my problems. I kept that all inside. I did the binge drinking, but I also didn't know how to breathe properly to control some of the neurotransmitters in your body that are associated with anxiety. So there's something called adrenaline, which we've all heard about. It has a different name in the body called epinephrine. And if you breathe, if, if you're sitting over like this and you do short, shallow breaths, and like if you hyperventilate, like if you do that and you blow off a lot of carbon dioxide, your body responds by increasing adrenaline. So if, if you're going into the MMA cage and you want to get pumped up, doing breathing like that can be helpful. Right. But if you're in a business situation where you're tense and, and you're frustrated and your girlfriend at home is giving you a hard time and, you know, your dog ran away and, you know, all these things are going on. You don't want to be over hunched over and breathing short, shallow breaths. You want to be breathing in through your nose and filling up your belly like you hear about in meditation and yoga, all that stuff, because it, it activates a different nervous system. So there's a sympathetic nervous system, which is fight or flight. And we've right. all heard of that. Um, if you're breathing short and shallow, your sympathetic nervous system, like it's ready for fight. And you don't want that. You want to be breathing and filling up your belly, you know, like the classic Buddha and that activates the calming nervous system. So whenever, you know, if you're in traffic, I tell people four seconds in, six seconds out, you know, don't pull the handgun out from underneath the, you know, the <laughs> dash. You just want to do your breathing instead and you'll get through the traffic, you know, or you're stressed at work at four o'clock and you're like, oh my God, I got so much work before date night tonight. Breathe, breathe. And I didn't know that stuff. And, but learning how to breathe properly was one of the biggest contributors to me getting over anxiety. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to dive deeper into the anxiety discussion, but you mentioned something that I wanted to, to touch on and we only got a few minutes here. Well, you have my other book, right? Unstoppable. I do. I have Unstoppable. Yeah. So Unstoppable is all about how to overcome entrepreneurial anxiety right. and you know everything from the nutrition to the breathing to the gratitude and all that type of stuff. So when you get through that, let me know. Yeah, absolutely. But you, you mentioned date night and in the perfect week formula, you mentioned date night a lot. And even if you are single, you mentioned just like social time, go on on actual dates. So, you know, for me, I'm married. I've been married for a little over a year. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. But the importance of date night, what, what does that do to the mind and productivity? So date night was really like one of my friends, this guy, Bedros Koulian, his commitment to date night with his wife every week was like really the origin of, of the whole formula system that led to the book. 
So Bedros runs a very big franchise. He has 800 locations. He has 500 franchisees. He has 55 employees in his headquarters. But at five o'clock on Wednesday, even if I'm down there and he's in California and I've flown down from uh, Canada and, you know, maybe we're doing workshops during the day on a Wednesday at five o'clock, he'll say, Hey buddy, you're on your own for dinner tonight. I'll see you tomorrow because every Wednesday at five o'clock, he has to go and get ready for date night with his wife. It is a non-negotiable. And I said to myself, if this is a guy with all these employees and all these franchisees and all these franchises, like, like he could work 24 hours a day. There's, there's no shortage of work, but he blocks that time. It is a non-negotiable. And everybody has non-negotiables in their life. Like, you know, maybe it's church. Like, you know, my mom always goes to church every Sunday. It's non-negotiable. Like she never schedules anything in. It's not like, oh, you know, it's raining today. I'm not going to go. She doesn't make excuses. She doesn't do something else. No, it is non-negotiable. She goes to church every Sunday. Maybe some of our listeners do. Maybe, you know, whenever you have a dentist appointment or a doctor appointment, you'd be like, well, I'm not going to miss this. I made an appointment. Like you keep your appointments with your dentist or a lawyer, a call with your lawyer, whatever it is. Like there's certain things in life that we don't miss. Well, if there's certain things in life that we don't miss, can't we put can't we make more of the things that we want to do appointments that we won't miss? For example, like, you know, all these entrepreneurs out there, they're working too many hours. You know, they're doing this for their family who they never spend any time with. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Let's clear the calendar and start putting the family on the calendar first. So the phrase of the book is build your business around your life and don't build your life around your business. And that really hits people in the heart. And you go, okay, so great. You got a clear schedule. What's the most important thing that should go on your schedule? It's probably family. Are you scheduling family time on your calendar as a non-negotiable? And I don't mean running the kids to soccer or whatever it is. I mean non-negotiable family time, you know, where you've put the phone away, where you're spending time with kids. Like, no, you know, we, we try and find time for that. We don't find time for anything. You got to make time for it. Right. So that's the whole thing. And so you put all this stuff on, like if you're 40 pounds overweight and your cholesterol's through the roof and your kids are five years old and your business, sure, it's making a million bucks a year, but you're on a fast track to dying at 51 before your kids graduate high school, you got to do something about that. So your workouts have to go on the calendar as non-negotiable. All right. of these things. And when they go on there, Brady, what happens is, is now you've built a smaller box and you have to fit all your work activities inside that box to produce the same outcome when the box was twice as big. But it actually makes you a better entrepreneur. And I know that when you, when you and your wife have your first kid, you know, there's, there's two ways that that can go. One is chaos can erupt. Two is that it can actually make you a better entrepreneur because you put more boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that's going to happen to you because that's a mindset you have. And so... This is the same sort of thing. You put more boundaries in place and you force somebody to work less. Now they cut the fluff. They delegate more, whether to a VA or to salespeople or whoever they bring on. And all of a sudden they work on the business and not working in the business, doing everything. And that's the big shift that the book forces somebody to make so that they can end up magically. It's almost like, how did I end up working less and making more money? Oh, it's because I built my business around my life and I decided to do only the things that mattered and all like I stopped editing my videos and I stopped doing this and I stopped doing my customer service because we brought on somebody who's better at customer service to do my customer service. That's how you use this book to get maximum results.
You know, it's interesting you say that because we actually do have our first kid on the way in January. Oh, congratulations. So thank you. So reading this book now, it's like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm already pretty structured, but it can always get better. So now instead of, you know, building my days around meetings, podcast interviews, whatever, I'm going to build my day around spending time with my wife. I talked to her about a date night literally the other night because I'm reading your book uh-huh. and then a child, right? I want to, even if it's just a baby and doesn't know I'm actually there, I want to be there, you know? So, but I think this is a good thing to end on. Uh, I know you, you had a hard stop now, but Craig, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put the boundaries on, right? Exactly. Exactly. You're, you're the master of it, but Craig, I appreciate your time. Where can my audience find you on social media and where can they find your books? Yeah. So real Craig Ballantyne on Instagram. Would love to see everybody over there. Send me a direct message. I'll answer them all. And then you can grab my books, go to perfectweekformula.com. That's probably the best one to start with. Um, even though it's my latest book and I have a couple other ones, it's the best place to start. And then all the other ones are on Amazon. So unstoppable and perfect day formula and perfect week formula is on there too. Awesome. Yeah, guys, reach out to Craig on Instagram. Let him know what you thought about the episode and appreciate your time, man. Hey, thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneurism Podcast. We post episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 a.m. Central Time. We would greatly appreciate if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. I'm Brady Morgan, your host. We'll see you next time.